0: Yeah, you read uh, Castaneda and great, uh, you know, it's about big, deep ideas, but it doesn't talk about how, how the hell I deal with my damn cell phone.
1: Hey everyone, it's Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. Today's episode is actually the second part of a two-part interview, so hopefully you already listened to part one. If you haven't, it's just the episode right before this with Michael Gorgin talking about acting. In this episode, Michael will be talking about his directing and writing career, and we will take an even deeper dive into philosophy and spirituality in this episode than we did during the first. So hopefully you like that kind of thing. Without further ado, here is Director and Writer. So now let's talk about uh, directing and stuff like that. So I looked on your IMDB and it mm -hmm. looked like there was a gap from about like 2008-ish to about 2013-ish where it was almost only directing and writing and stuff that you were doing and no acting. Yeah. Is is that fair to say? And what
0: was going on in your life that time? So, um, okay. Directing wise, I, uh, was acting, bringing money up to the Bay Area, making movies. One of the movies I made, um, it, which I have to put out, okay, i got to figure, figure out some tech stuff, but I made a movie called Oakland Underground, which is it's really good. <laughs> I have to say, it's awesome. really good. It's a mock documentary about a film crew investigating the occult in Oakland. And uh, they witness something, and uh, it's a comedy. This sounds um, awesome. Yeah. And, and they start tracking stuff down, and uh, it's uh, the guy who plays the lead is hysterical. Um, we shot all around Oakland, and this is in the 90s, and like when pay, people use payphones and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I made that film, and it came out the same year the Blair Witch Project came out. Uh, we didn't, I didn't know how to, I know I'm good at making films. I don't know how to sell them. I'm learning, I'm learning that part. Uh, so I made this film and didn't really do much with it. Went to a couple festivals and then, uh, it's on a shelf and, uh, I think you can buy it online somewhere, but nobody knows about it. I've never tried to promote it or anything. Eventually I will. Um, I made that film after that. I made another, uh, film called Illusion. Um, and that's with Kirk Douglas, uh, Brian Cranston's in it. Uh, I'm in it. Um, that's a film that is a whole nother story, which we could, I'll, I'll give you the short version so we can get to Wayne. Uh, I found a story that I figured out how to make a movie in parts. Um, uh, because I wanted to make something big that with at least a, a name in it so I could sell it. Uh, so I found a story, and basically the gist of the story is it's about a father who has, had had an illegitimate son that he never knows, and the father's on his deathbed, and he wants to know whatever happened to this kid he never knew. And in the, it's based on a play, a French play by Pierre Cornet, called uh, L'Illusion Comique. And uh, in the play, he's, an angel comes and says, I'm going to show you visions of your son's life, and he shows him three visions of the son's life. I took the story and basically as structurally did something different with it for the film, but I shot the visions of the son's life in pieces. I shot the first piece. I played the son and it's the first, you know, he's a teenager and in the movie, Kirk Douglas plays a film director and he's on his deathbed and an angel comes to him and says, I want to show you your son's life. And they go to a movie theater and he explains the idea of the Akashic records that everyone's there's a record of everything. Mm. And he says, they're just like film reels. And they put, they pull a few film reels of his son's life to show him who his son was. So the first movie is kind of like a teen movie. And it's when the son's a teenager, we shot that. And then I use that to raise money to do the second part oh, of the son's wow. life. <laughs> and when he's in his mid twenties and he's working for an artist in San Francisco, and it's like this dark gothy kind of thing. You know uh very high drama guns and things, and then I use that I shot that, and then I use that to uh raise more money to shoot the third part of the guy's life, and that's he's in his thirties and he's just gotten out of prison and he's trying to track down the woman that he knew you know was fell in love with in the other movies, and he ends up getting killed um and Kirk Douglas in the theater goes crazy and like what? what, what happened to my son and um And then there's a twist at the end. That's Um, not the twist. No, yeah, it's you should see it. I know it's quite a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, So the idea from the get go was I'd shoot these three sections that were independent films that essentially small little independent things uh, that I could do, and then maybe four months later or however long it took me to do the next one and do that one, and then the surrounding part was about a father. And basically a guy dying on his deathbed, an angel comes visit him, takes him to a movie theater. We put the bed in the movie theater and then he watches movies and you know comments and reacts to it and then the ending of it. So the idea was, I need someone famous for five days and you get to be in bed the whole time and we've already shot 75% of the movie so you can see what I've done Because so much of getting somebody to be in your movie. They're like, well, I don't trust you. You know, you don't seem like a good (laughs) director or whatever. And I can say, this is what the film is. So I created this. So did all that. And it worked, you know, we went around to different actors. It was a few different possibilities. And then Kirk Douglas saw the project and said, yeah, I want to do it. It's the last movie he's ever been in. Um, Wow. He's amazing. He's incredible in it. Uh, So we, so I made that movie. It took me, five years to make the film Uh, with it. We went around and because there's kind of a spiritual element to it with the Akashic records and the whole idea that there's a record of your life and everything, there's a lot of uh, sort of philosophical things woven into the story. Um, So it ended up getting a lot of film festivals and and, uh, that are, more that kind of thing. So the, uh, uh, Maui has a festival that's very kind of spiritually driven. And, uh, uh, I can't remember the other ones, but we, we won a bunch of different awards at places, got a distribution deal distributor kind of sucked, uh, was in theaters for a while. And then that was it. Um, it was a great experience. It's a great movie. You should go see it. Uh, from that, I, Met people who worked for Hay House, uh, with which is a publishing company. Yeah, and um, after five years of making that movie and not acting too much, I was broke for one and needed a job. And so uh, they asked if I wanted to do a documentary about Louise Hay, who's um, Louise Hay is. This uh, is
1: incredible. So <laughs> I, yeah, this is like one of the main. Like, basically, the main question out of the whole interview was how did like I end who, up? Who how did I who first? Like, right. in the Hay House situation, did you chase them down or they chased you no. down? But because this other film was at these kind of philosophical conventions, that's mm-hmm. how you... Uh,
0: Festivals, yeah. There's a guy named Steven Simon who's a producer. He produced What Dreams May Come and Somewhere in Time. He had started a thing called the spiritual cinema circle, and it was movies that have spiritual or philosophical things in them. Um, He became a big advocate for my film, and his partner uh, was the one who approached me and said, hey, um, there's this publishing company, Hay House, and I want to make a documentary about Louise Hay. Nothing's been done about her. I said sure, why not? I need That's a job. Awesome, man. So I, I actually had no idea who she was. I didn't know who Wayne Dyer was. Um, I knew a lot of similar teachers and and uh, authors like them, but I didn't. I didn't know um, either of them. So Louise Hayes started the company. She wrote a book called "You Can Heal Your Life," which, back in the eighties, uh, um, she was one of the first people to really embrace. Uh, the gay community when aids started um she uh her books i mean if you look in the guinness book of world records for number of copies sold she's like up there with the bible and stuff like it's like <laughs> millions and millions and millions of copies yeah, of this book yeah um so her her uh,
1: publishing company hay house is the one that wayne dyer is on and pretty yes. much, i'm sure like most of the heavy hitters in the like Philosophical, spiritual community are on Hay House. Yeah,
0: yeah, a lot of them. Um, more, more in the uh, spiritual self help is Hay House is more self help. Whereas other places would be more philosophy. There's, I mean, everything crosses over. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, sorry. I yeah,
1: I the only yeah, I uh, for anyone listening that has not um read or listened to or whatever Wayne Dyer, who's somebody we'll talk a bit about. I, when, a lot of times when you t- say self help and stuff, it's like it just <laughs> it like a, really brings the wrong connotation, and right? Says, you right, know, right? Like they picture like so. What you are going to do is you are going to wake up at six o'clock, and <laughs> yeah. we want you to eat a great breakfast. You are going to be feeling good, headed into work. Right? Or
0: worse is the uh, I love myself, <laughs> I admire myself, and gosh darn it, I am a good. Yeah, for, you know that totally, stuff. totally. So yeah, I mean <laughs> uh, Louise and you can heal your life. Um, I made a documentary about it. So in doing so, I learned a lot about her and what she's done. And, um, uh, there's not a lot of people like her. I mean, really incredible. Um, so it, a lot of what you can heal your life about is the correlation between our thoughts and our physical health. Mm. Um, and there's other authors and people that have talked about this, but she's kind of the, she's the grandmother of, that totally. whole movement
1: so ahead of her time
0: yeah yeah um and ha- has helped a lot of people um so i made that documentary and in it uh it was a documentary i i'm not a documentary maker i'm more of a creative guy and so i said yeah i'll do it but can i like weave a little bit of narratives that like do something a little so we have in that movie it's got a sort of part of it that's we could the journey woman there's a a woman and we're hearing her thoughts and she lives in San Francisco and she's going commuting to work and, and we hear run And then she sees a, a door. I, we shot down on, um, in the financial district and I care on Bush and something. And there's an alleyway and she looks down the alleyway and there's this doorway there. And she, she, and it's like a new path. And so she walks through it and that takes us on the journey of the entire documentary of learning about this whole sort of Louise's point of view of things. and, hmm and the evolution of her thoughts about herself, basically. That's cool. Um, so Wayne was one of the people in her film, in the documentary. So there's a bunch of different authors from Hay House that were in it. And so I met Wayne doing that and interviewed him and it was, you know, it was fun. He was a great guy. Uh, we got along. He did, uh, there's some on the, uh, you can heal your life, uh, there's like a, a, a deluxe version of the DVD with outtakes and stuff. You see, he does some weird test on me and we have some uh, fun goofing around.
1: The one where it was like pushing your own. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, about yeah. Different stuff. Yeah. That's yeah, so yeah. funny. I'll have to try to find that.
0: Yeah. I think it might be on YouTube or something. Um, so anyways, we, uh, we made that film and then uh, it was very successful. Did well for Hay House. First time i actually made something that made money. Uh, <laughs> which is great. Uh, so then the the uh, CEO at Hay House came to me and said, would you like to make another film um, around Wayne? And I was like, well, okay, um, I'm not so into documentaries. Can I, is there, could I do something a little more creative? And he said, well, to pitch your idea, you know, what's your idea? So I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and actually ended up, um, the idea came from, Oakland underground about doing, having a film crew. So in Oakland underground, the main characters are the film crew. It's uh it's the um, investigative journalist. And then the cameraman who's his brother, uh, the sound guy who does boom uh, Ron Who's my friend, Ron. Uh, they're all the main. And then uh, this gal, Olga, who's like an, a, a PA assistant. They're the main characters of the movie. And you see them trotting along, trying to figure out this and that. And a lot of what they're doing is interacting with real people mm-hmm. in that film. So I was like, well, Wayne's a real guy. What Could I create a story? What if I base a story on a film crew interviewing him? So that was the general idea to start with was we'd make a movie where it Wayne was himself. And I went out to Maui. Wayne lived uh, in Maui. And I went out there and did an interview with him just as research. Just about like what ideas he wanted to express in um, in the film. What does he want to put for what are, you know? What's the subject matter? And I took that and then this idea of a film crew. And I said, okay, well, one, what's good about the film crew is I have a counter. A lot of the problems that I had seen with movies like uh, The Secret and uh, things like that. Uh, that are trying to push ideas. I feel like I'm being sold something and there's no counter. There's no, there's nobody pushing against it. And so I thought, you know, Wayne, hopefully he'll be up for it. But what if I had a film crew and like the director of the film crew doesn't believe a I- single word he says dude i don't believe
1: it you literally keep on bringing up all the things that are like the next questions on my list (laughs) i just wanted to say which i guess wasn't a question i just wanted to tell you like how great that character is i um i was just telling my wife about it last night that um that that character in the movie he asks such great questions and he's skeptical in just the right way of wayne And, like, the questions that you, whoever it was, came up with for him to ask are so great. Uh Um, And it's so awesome that that's included in the movie and then Wayne's responses to those questions. Because I feel like a lot of movies would go, if they were going to have someone like that, would just go in the direction of, like, the uh, grumpy, disgruntled director just being like, I think your ideas are stupid. And then being like, oh, okay, well, I think they're pretty good. And, you know, like, not never any, like, a really deep... um, deep question right. or uh something that is difficult or insightful like i think for me one of the more memorable things that he asked wayne is when wayne is talking about uh letting go mm-hmm. and you know living obviously that's the whole point of the shift is living from meaning as opposed to living from ambition right and wayne talks about when he was younger and he was first started writing that he was really ambitious and he would always look at where he was at on the bestseller list and stuff like that and that now he just writes from his heart and the bestseller list like isn't even a thought for him. And so immediately the the director guy wouldn't being, which is the perfect question, the director guy's just like, uh, yeah, but don't you see that maybe it was you being ambitious that allowed you to get on the bestseller list? And what if you had like nobody reading your books now because you weren't a multi-time bestseller already from having this time period in life where you were ambitious? So how could you say that we shouldn't be ambitious if a lot of what you have could be due to your ambition? And like when he asked that, I'm just like, hell yeah. yes, dude! Thank you for asking that because those are, like those are the types of things. What did that Wayne went... say?
0: I, I haven't seen the film for a while. So yeah. I, he
1: unfortunately he doesn't give like the best answer to it. Okay. But um, in, in terms of like he doesn't you know quite directly answer it, but right. basically what he says is that you don't have to sacrifice ambition to get meaning. Right. Um right. Yeah. Okay. Like his point was, I didn't have to be caring about the bestseller list and doing all these things in order to be really be following my heart. And if you're really living from this place of meaning and following your heart, you're just naturally going to have this fuel in that direction. You don't have to be worried about how you're coming off to everybody else and whatever. Right. That still breeds the question of like, but if you're not worried of how you're coming off to anybody else, how are you getting paid? uh, You know, you better hope that the things that you're saying are resonating with other people and that they're going to want to pay you some money for it. Yeah. Um, But, uh, I mean, it was, yeah.
0: I mean, that's a deep question that we could do a whole interview about. Totally. Um, yeah. yeah, but
1: uh, to even include things like that in the yeah. movie, like kudos uh, yeah. to you. And like, that well, part awesome. part of
0: that is uh, the actor Michael DeLuise, uh, who Dom Delawise's son, uh, plays the director, and he was really that guy. Um, he, you know, he had all those questions, and you know, a lot of it was scripted, but a lot of it was not. It was him he was really questioning Wayne on things. Yeah. I mean, there were times where I would, they would do an interview section and I would tell Michael, okay, well think about what you want to ask him because we'll do all what's scripted and then you get to ask him stuff. Yeah. So it's so cool. Like, the the acting in that movie of
1: the film crew is some of the best quote-unquote acting I've ever seen in my entire life, but I imagine it's because a lot of it is not acting. Like, these people really are, to a certain extent, in awe to be around Wayne. Like, the things that Wayne says are so simple and and yet so impactful right that, like when you're sitting around the fire and he's saying them even though you have like a film crew around you filming you yeah. you're still just like nodding your head like uh-huh. damn this guy knows what he's talking about you know and you could see this like genuine uh, look of like this guy's so cool like when the people are around him
0: yeah yeah well uh, you know so the film crew uh wrong or the sound guy is the same sound guy from Oakland underground. Oh, awesome. Uh, And he's not even a sound guy. He's an actor, but he learned how to do sound for that film. And so I was like, Hey, why don't you do it for this one? So, uh, and then the other, yeah, all all of those, uh, I think think everybody in that film, it's tough when you're in the middle of making something like that. You're in the, I think this happens in life with everybody you're in high school and you're like, "Ah, it's all crazy. And then you look back and you go, Oh, what a wonderful time. Well, maybe not high school, but with film, a lot of time or, or a project you're working on in hindsight, it can be, you you can see what you was really going on and what was going on when we were shooting that film. It was an experience. Everybody involved, all the actors, the crew, it was a real special event. Um, and, Part of the so we shot it in um, a place called Asilomar, which is in uh, Monterey, Monterey Bay. Um, Nailed
1: it. My wife went, uh, when I was, she walked <laughs> in the room when I was watching it, she's like, "Where is this? Is this like in Hawaii where Wayne lives?" I was like, "I think this is in Monterey." Yeah, but that's not that difficult of a thing to nail. And yeah, Monterey yeah, it has a pretty specific yeah. look to
0: it. Yeah, so Asilomar is uh, uh, was built by uh, Julia Morgan, as uh, a famous architect. Um, Essentially, we, you had you asked before, actually before the interview, about the writer. So I come up with the concept, and actually I wrote a different version of the script um, that wasn't quite working. And then, uh, like me and you meeting, um, Kristen Lazarian, I'm Armenian, she's Armenian, uh, I had done a play reading for her. She's a playwright. I did a play reading for her maybe a few years before we shot uh, The Shift. And happened to run into her at an event in LA an Armenian event, uh, right when I wasn't so happy with the script I had and was like, ah, I gotta do so. And I ran into her and I was like, Hey, and she said something about, I think I said something. And I mentioned Wayne Dutton. She was like, Oh my God. Yeah. I've been reading his book right now. Total Hay House fanatic loves all of their authors. And I was like, Hey, um, would you be interested in working on this? And so it happened kind of magically Wayne Dyerishly. Yeah, totally. Uh She got involved and she whipped, you know, that, that script we collaborate, you know, I with pretty much everything, I'll kind of work with the person and develop it together. And so we developed the story. Um, some of it had to do with actors that I had. So Portia De Rossi's in it. Um, so I wanted to create a storyline that would work for her. And, um, but yeah, it happened very fast. We She wrote it and we were shooting within the next few months. Um, and yeah, it was a special time. We picked, I, I basically said, I knew the idea of the story, just need a good location. The Silamar, I don't know where that came from, but uh, yeah, it was it was a great experience. And Wayne, Wayne had never acted before. And uh, I think he, I feel like he talked about, maybe he wrote about it in His last, the last book he wrote, um, he has a chapter about shooting um, this film. And uh, actually, maybe he doesn't talk about this. So I did with him, it's a technique that I learned from somebody else with, as a director, when you're working with people that aren't actors, a good way to to get into it, especially when you do, I do a lot of improv stuff. So I did a thing with him where I said, all right, Wayne, I'm going to give you one acting class and that's it. And then you're going to, from there, you're going to be great. So we just did a thing where I went to, where he was staying in, in uh, Monterey, uh, went to his hotel and we did a thing where I said, okay, well, you you used to do psychology. Well, you're Dr. Dyer. I'm Michael Gorgia. I'm coming to you for, you know, a thing. We'll just do at the door. I'll come to the door, knock on the door and I'll, you'll say, Hey, Michael, it's good to see you. And I say, yeah, right, and, and invite me in. We did that. Great. Did it. Fine did it again. I said, okay, and then once you invite me in, ask me if I want tea. And and I'll say, no, I'm fine. I don't want any tea. Uh, And then we'll sit down on the couch and, you know, face each other. Great. Did that. And I kept adding little bits, little bits, further along, further along. And then we had like a good five-minute scene where, with dialogue, and I said, okay, great. And I pulled out a piece of paper and I said, read this. And it was exactly what we had just done with dialogue. If I had handed that to him and said, okay, let's, let's practice this scene, it would have sounded horrible yeah, Sounded awful. But by allowing his own voice and him not to ever look at a page and go, okay, I have to say a line, but create each line himself. I mean, to the point where it was almost exact word for word what was on the page. Wow. So it's just a technique of getting there. But it allowed, especially for something like that, Wayne to be himself really be himself and be comfortable with being himself yeah in it and so which
1: is so important for someone like that in a film like yeah yeah the whole point is for them to express their ideas in a natural and convincing way you know
0: right and i surrounded him with a lot of good actors that helped you know kind of could go with wherever he was going kind of stuff
1: too yeah yeah totally man Uh, just really quickly, just to clear up a point that you made. Yeah. We, how you said similarly to the way that we met, he, uh, Michael did not mean that we (laughs) met at like an Armenian convention of some way through like a Wayne Dyer connection, a a shared love of Wayne Dyer that we ended up meeting. Yeah. I'm not, I wish I was Armenian. That'd be cool. I can meet cool people at Armenian conventions, but, uh, um, uh, so after that, you, you've now written, another movie and directed a movie about Wayne Dyer's life. Is that again, something that was just brought to you or. Okay. So you yeah, you mean, you mean,
0: uh, my greatest teacher. My greatest teacher. Okay. So after I made the shift, then Hay House, uh, asked if I wanted to do something else. And we came up with this project called tales of everyday magic. And, um, it's a series of, it's an anthology. Um, the way that, um, you know, where each episode they're hour long episodes. Each one is a different story. And each story is based on a different author at Hay House. So we did one with Louise Hay, one with Wayne, one with a guy named Greg Braden. Uh and then the fourth one is not based on any authors. It's a it's kind of a special little piece. Uh so this was a project I developed with Hay House and we did, and and it's been very successful in Hay House, uh, but it hasn't really been released publicly. They need to put it on Netflix. Just put it on Netflix yeah, so people yeah. see them. They're great little movies. Um and the one with Wayne that we did, there and those are all fiction. There's no uh uh teacher in it or author in it. They're the one with Louise is a fictional story written by a guy based on the ideas of Louise Hay. Wayne's is the story. He has a story that he often told when he was lecturing about his relationship with his father. He had never known his father and, uh, went to try to track him down. So we that's a fictionalized story based on Wayne's story about trying to find his father. Uh, then the other one with Greg Braden is a kind of sciencey thing. Uh, so they're individual little movies and one of them is the one with, uh, my greatest teachers is, is, uh, about Wayne.
1: So that was, again, I guess just cause of your relationship with Hay House at that point, that wasn't because of your fanaticism for Wayne Dyer or anything like that.
0: No, no. Um, and I, I love Wayne was a very important person in my life. Um, But yeah, it was a business, I I mean, it started (laughs) as a a job, um, and then I just happened to, in my own life and through my own sort of authors and ideas, uh, have a parallel sort of interest that made it a good match.
1: Yeah. So, Have you ever, I mean, was there anybody like me on the set of any of these movies with Wayne where like... He reading him or being at a presentation of his or anything like changed someone's life so much that, 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 like, uh, like, have you ever seen people behave the way around Wayne? Like, you're around a lot of celebrities that people, I guess, maybe would get, uh, like, nervous around, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. like, Star Warship or whatever do you feel like Wayne is on like that same level that people like, Oh, oh yeah. my gosh, like that's Wayne Dyer. Cause I feel like he would almost be more so than any celebrity <laughs> because he's who like the celebrities look up to is someone like that, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, fame is a funny thing. Uh, yeah. And it, and it doesn't. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously if, when we were at Asilomar, you know, there, they happened to have a conference going on there that was had to do with some kind of like healing, uh, something or other, and Wayne showed up. Just we had already been shooting, and he happened. You know, it was his time to start shooting, and he showed up. And they were having this big uh, uh, meeting with like a I don't know thousand people, and they're talking, and Wayne just walked in, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, it's Wayne!" D- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I you know people that who cancer survivor came up to him and uh when we were shooting at one point and and like i i go oh my god i wouldn't be able to handle that kind of stuff but yeah. he was so graceful so also. what is
1: it like getting to know someone like that to your point about me, like the the struggle that you had in your 20s and wanting to do something more meaningful or whatever mm-hmm. you're used to being around people or maybe even yourself getting recognition but getting recognition because it's like i saw you in this thing i right. see you you have recognition when you see when you're hanging out with Wayne Dye and now like getting to know someone like that who has mm-hmm. stuff like cancer survivors coming up to him and saying how, like you saved my life or you changed my life or whatever it is, what is it like having a relationship with someone like that?
0: Um, well, that's a good question. Um, it's interesting cause I've met, I've met a lot of what you would call spiritual teachers or, uh, Uh, self-help gurus I've met philosophers since I've been interested in this kind of stuff for so long I've met a lot of people and um I've met a lot of people that are you know what they are their persona is very different from who they are as a person Hmm. in in not so nice ways
1: (laughs) wow that's got to be really disheartening
0: yeah I think a lot I mean a lot of people um see that people that you know you go oh god i can't wait to meet so-and-so and you find you meet the guru and they're you know they're just a human yeah that was one of the great things about wayne is he he was a man he was a guy and he really um communicated with he was able to connect with you know that whole world most of the audience is women uh you know older women that's they're who buys the most Hay House books. It's, you know, 70, 80% uh, women in their thirties, forties, fifties. Wayne was able to communicate in a way that didn't turn off the macho guy. Didn't, um, he was a guy's guy. Um, and in his life, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, some superhero. He was, he had struggles and troubles and problems and, uh, I don't think he tried to hide that or, or make that, uh, cover that over, um, which made him special in that way. Um, but I, do you ever get to
1: have like one-on-one like spiritual or philosophical talks with him?
0: Yeah. Oh, we hung out a lot. Man. Um,
1: that must, I, I just can't imagine like an experience like that, like how, how surreal that would even be.
0: Well, I mean, think about it like you know, talking to a real uh, a professor that really knows the subject matter that you're interested in. Yeah. Um, and it goes a little deeper than that. That's one of the things that in our age of technology and it's so easy to go online and watch a YouTube video of some person or, and that it's inspiring. You can be very inspiring if you're seeking meaning. You can find a lot of stuff now that when i was younger you'd have to go to the secret bookstore that was around the corner and <laughs> totally. know the code and find the, um everything is so much more accessible and yet there is something that can't that transmits between people in person that doesn't uh you, on a video or a audio thing there's certain things that you i think can can be communicated and, and, uh, that being in a room with somebody or talking. And the thing is, is that that's something that you don't necessarily need the big spiritual guru to experience that. Yeah. You know, that can Definitely. be with a like-minded friend that can be with a teacher or a parent or whatever, but that type of communication, um, yeah, that's really important. And so yes, to, to be able to sit and talk to somebody like Wayne um or Louise uh or I mentioned earlier my, my friend uh Dr. Needleman, Jacob Needleman. He's the he's the real real McCoy. Um y- yes, there is it it fills that hole that we were talking <laughs> can fill that hole that we were talking about before. Yeah a real communion of um, helping kind of get past the separation between my inside and my outside to be able to communicate with somebody who's, who's at least willing to participate in a dialogue about that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, Or any of the, like the guy that you mentioned being the real McCoy, who is Mm -hmm. this professor at, you said at San Francisco state, right?
0: Yeah. He teaches at San Francisco state. He's an author, um, a philosopher, um, uh, Jacob Needleman.
1: Are there any of these people that you feel like, um, are, are so, are so connected, like the inside of the like the spiritual part of themselves is a lot of the outside part of themselves, that they're just communicating with people every day, that they're like so deeply connected you know what? with this, this part portion of themselves.
0: Um, <laughs> it's a, that's a tricky one because everybody is a person yeah and and you still a have lot to, of like, times it's the people if they yeah it. a lot of times it's the people the gurus that pretend like they are that thing in life uh that are the fakies the you know um t- uh that becomes a persona that's is an ego or the that side everybody has that but everybody else, there's also this other thing inside. And when you meet someone who's developed inwardly, like, you know, you know, or I, I've, I know when I've, I've met people like that. Um, and it's not, it's almost like it's a different person. Um, it doesn't, they're outside who they are. The fact that they're grumpy this morning, whatever, they can still be grumpy. It's, that is a one side of them. And then here's this other side. I I think the trying to blend the two and be the spiritual, whatever, that's where people get in trouble. That's where a lot of these people get in trouble because it's a, you know, who you are on the outside. Um, we have to interact with the world. We have to, it's, 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 you need a a shell. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of babbling about that. I, i I'm learning yeah, about that it certainly and, makes sense but, um who
1: what yeah. are some of the uh like Wayne or otherwise what are some of the the like greatest um spiritual lessons that you feel like you've learned over the course of your life since it is something that you care about and that you seek out?
0: oh boy, wow, that's a,
1: sorry that's yeah a really, yeah this really a big, hard yeah, yeah. Question.
0: <laughs> okay well uh in terms of knowledge and and seeking information, especially in terms of what we're talking about. I feel like it's smart to, the goal is, let's say your goal is to dig to China, right? Well, you don't just start digging. You got to find the best place to start. And so you dig a little bit over here, you dig a little bit over here, you dig a little over here. Eventually, you find a spot and you just, you got to start digging and in terms of teachings and spiritual stuff and religion and and all this there's so many paths out there there's so many you know there's buddhism there's this there's there's all these things i think there's a place for um exploring you need to read about this read about learn about different systems different learn about them uh don't like just go oh well this is the one that i first i was I was born a Christian and so Christianity is the thing. Or I, you know, I really dug this guy's book and so now I'm believing in his system and explore. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there. But then there comes a time where you got to pick something. Yeah. A practice. Well, during, uh,
1: I think the important thing, sorry to yeah. interrupt here, and hopefully this is kind of the direction that you're going in, especially your point yeah. about digging in different spots is like, it's not so much even that you have to pick something. It's almost It should almost be like falling in love with someone. You know, if there's someone that's like a, a soulmate for you or something, like... Uh, and that, that's where, for me, like, the, the things that... How I keep on bringing up Wayne Dyer and how he meant so much to me in my mm-hmm. life. Like, I've read a lot of other, like, spiritual people right, or philosophical right. people, but something about, like... It clicked. About, what yeah, exactly. The way that mm-hmm. he said it, like, within moments of listening to him for the first time, I was like, wow, I've never like felt it inside of me so much is right. when he's saying it so i'm going to keep learning more about this that he's talking about and it, like hopefully when you were talking about like buddhism or this or that hopefully like one thing that you read yes. or one thing that you pay attention to you it will like feel different or it will, yes. it will make so much sense to you or something yeah
0: so one thing uh louise hay says this uh, i think it's one of the opening lines in her the documentary we did she she was on stage at a conference and there were all these teachers and authors that were going to do workshops and stuff. And she was sort of introducing it. And she said, you know, you have all these, all of us up here. Um, we're all basically saying the exact same thing. Uh, but I'm saying it one way. Wayne says it another way. Guru. So-and-so says another way. This guy says another way. And each person, the way they say it might connect to this person and that person. And that's the point is is that you have to find what you you link into, what you connect to. And it's the, the, but ultimately they're all saying the same thing. There's a other uh, famous uh, metaphor about the mountain and all these different spiritual paths that lead uh, that, you know, one comes this side of the mountain and from the desert and another comes from the ocean and comes this way and this way. And each path, is different and has different obstacles and different tools you use. And, but then once you get to the mountain, everybody's got to start climbing and you can have different tools. And if you're coming from this side, you might need these tools. These two, but eventually everybody reaches the same place. Yep. It all goes to the same place. Totally. So, um, and if you think
1: that you're that different from anyone else, th- this is like a good part of that analogy is like, if you think that you're that different from anybody else, then that's how far down the frickin' mountain you are as they are saying like, Oh, I'm in the ice They're in the beach. We're totally different. It's like, no man, if you were to climb up to the top, you would see like yeah. how similar this all is. But that's
0: yeah. The, the whole dogmatic aspect of uh, religion in particular, but it also is true with science in a way um, that this is the truth. This is the right way. This is the only way. And yeah. That you, you eventually you need to see that every, they're all different. Um, and they all have their strengths and weaknesses. And that's the other thing is, is that to go, Oh, I picked this. Here's what speaks to me the most. Just like a relationship, it ain't going to be all rosy and you go, Oh, my whole mind is blown by this philosophy I found, or this teaching I found. There's going to be parts of it that don't work, uh, that aren't right. That are, it's a system. It's a, it's like a relationship. You're going to have hard parts, and, but ultimately it's what resonates with you the most. And so it's what you eventually go, okay, I'm going to settle down with this one mm-hmm. and make something happen. Um, and that's the, the bigger point is there, there are a lot of, especially in today with all the information there is, there's a big difference between information and understanding. Understanding requires work. Requires actual effort. Requires doing things. You can't just read books um, to develop this other part of you. You, you it requires work, and and every teaching out there has similar but different paths, and the paths have tools. Um, you know, as an example, you go Buddhism and meditation is a practice um, in Buddhism that is something you actually do. You don't just read scriptures and things. You actually do something. So I think that's the thing that all of the different testing out the different places, uh, digging here, digging there, digging there. When you find something, usually a real path, there's something you can do, actually do, and practice yoga. I mean, there's a million different things. And also there is the path of making up your own path, which that's great too. But to actually practice and do something, and not just think about it, not just talk about it, um, that's the, that's needed, you mm-hmm. know. Otherwise, go study in a university, get a PhD, and count angels on the tips of uh, pinheads or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah,
1: totally, man. Yeah, for me, meditation in that regard has been so helpful. And uh, to your point about like kind of creating your own path, mm-hmm. I think that that's the one thing that I guess tries to seems like anyway, bring the two parts of yourself together a little bit is just being silent with yourself and not reading and not Mm -hmm. thinking and not as great as like a philosophical conversation is or a spiritual conversation, like just sitting there quiet and hearing if ever, ever you speak to yourself or some voice speaks to you or whatever it is, you know um, that you, you will eventually guide yourself, I guess if you're there, quiet yeah. enough or maybe it's not you however you want to look at that that some spirit in the universe is guiding you or god is guiding you or speaking to you or whatever it is um but yeah only if you just shut the hell up for a while like can <laughs> can you ever even like hear that you know or feel that or, or whatever yeah it is.
0: yeah yeah and uh, like you you're just saying spirit or god or this and that that's another thing is that language language is such a tricky thing <laughs> yeah. and, and there's so many like Uh, don't go that, you know, even the word spiritualism, you know, Oh, I shy away, especially having a, a scientific mindset. There's so many things that like all of a sudden we, we turn away from, uh, language is just trying to, so much of it is just trying to describe a lot of things that aren't describable. Totally. Um, and so,
1: and unfortunately
0: somebody uh,
1: like Christopher Columbus showing up in America and putting a flag in it somebody already showed up to that word and put a flag in it and it, said, it so now you use that word and it's right. like crap. It's tainted. Like it's right. already.
0: Right. But even with that, to try to have a dialogue, to try to talk to people, to try to keep it from being uh, a practice of just you by yourself. Um, finding what uh, Jer- uh, Jacob Needleman would call philosophical friends is an important thing uh, in this day and age people where you can actually, it keeps it from just being a thing in your head, a thing that you think about, the thing that you go, oh, well, God, I," you know, in my busy life where I'm running to work and I'm doing this and I need to spend some time meditating or I need to spend some time, I need to do that, read that book about that, you know, spiritual thing or I need to do some yoga or whatever, whatever it is. How do you build more momentum so that it doesn't become just sort of a you know a thing you just keep pushing aside yeah. throughout
1: your life. That's such a good that's point. There's something, that's a perspective I couldn't have even had. I, <laughs> that's so funny, because unfortunately for all the people that I know, it's like if you go out to coffee with me or go to a restaurant with me, like 90% of the time, this is what I'm going to be talking about, and you're right. going to have <laughs> to like talk about it with me. So I need those times to just be quiet by myself, but I didn't even really think about that. Like we talked about with the... Uh, therapy and cuddle therapy and stuff like that before Uh before Uh this interview Uh it's like uh, you know just because i talk a lot about philosophical things doesn't mean that everyone does or that they have someone that they feel that they can talk about those things with and yeah certainly that's a huge foundation to even give you uh
0: yeah because you know the what am i Uh, am i just my mind um no i've got a body i've got emotions i've got feelings the whole of what I am, how is that participating in the things I'm doing in particular, something like a spiritual practice or whatever, it can't just be for the head. Um, So what you're saying about the cuddle therapy or whatever, well, that's, that's directly related to (laughs) something that's not the head. It's the body that needs something that, and uh, it's all important, you know, all of it together is, is uh, important. And, in this idea of like, here's my outer self, the idea of myself, all of the, you know, my uh, name and all the things I've done in life. And the, you know, the, all the questions you have, of like, (laughs) what have I done? This, 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 and what I'm planning on doing these things. There's that Michael. And then there's this other Michael that I don't know so well. That's, that's just really just here. It doesn't, have any idea of any of that he's just here he's just living right now that me um is to get in touch with that requires something that isn't just my head because my head is filled up with all these things it's so packed with all that information and so how do you get past that how do you how do you push past that and get to this other side of yourself and that's where You know, reading about things is good. It's information, but you need to find other pathways. Um, so hey, cuddle therapy, yeah, just cuddle with somebody. (laughs) Yeah, man, that's
1: beautiful. I love the way you put that. You can be the uh, well, I've (laughs) I, I was literally just about to say you can be the uh, you can be the new hay house guy after this, and uh, <laughs> let's talk about that just a tiny bit because uh, okay. I, if you do want to come back, you could be like the first repeat guest and we could talk about the being an author and what that's all like because yeah. I feel like that should have kind of its own thing sure um but uh yeah, tell us a little bit about the book that you're going to be coming out with
0: okay so um i well, from let's go from this side. Uh, I did the Tales of Everyday Magic, and then um, with Hay House, I I wanted to make a movie, a, a feature film, and and kind of go out of the, get back into the more main Hollywood land. Uh, and I had a f- script that I had written years ago called Beatrice that I um, had pulled out and looked at, and I was actually back in i don't know 99 or so um i had gotten money to make it uh i raised money uh michelle williams and myself were going to star in it and then it all fell apart it was one of those hollywood disasters Like the money got pulled and that so that's when i i came back up to the bay area and started making illusion um so that script i pulled back I pulled out of a drawer, I read it, and I was like, oh, thank God I didn't make it because it sucks <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm 10 years older or whatever. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. It was so, you know, trying to trying to make a big statement, and a, it wasn't that bad. But there were some aspects of it that were really good, and I, I thought, ah, there's something here. So I rewrote it, and I showed it to um, Hay House, the CEO at Hay House, mostly just to get his opinion, Um, because I knew he wouldn't fund it. It was too, uh, it's too much of a movie movie, but he, at that time, Hay house is had expanded and started a fiction division. Um, they brought on some publisher or some, um, publishers and, and started their fiction division. And so, um, they were looking for material and he said, Hey, um, would you have any interest in making this a novel? And at the time I thought, uh, no, I want to make the movie. I don't want to make a book. Well, maybe. And then we talked about, okay, well maybe we could get somebody else to write the book and looking into it. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, no, I got to write this. This is, it's too important. Um, it's everything I've done has always been kind of what I'm trying to say, but this was, this is like the culminate as an artist this is what I want to say. This was it. So I thought, no, I'll do it. And, um, I said, hey, you know, it'll take me a year. And, uh, I started and it took me a year to write the first draft. <laughs> and That was over three years ago. Uh, I, it's taken me three and a half years to complete. Um, it comes out in October, uh, this year, but, uh, I, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a story about, um, a guy like you, (laughs) um, and me who's searching and is involved in the tech industry. Um, and not very happy about it. And, um, it explores a lot of big ideas, but I guess I don't, I don't want to talk too much about what the plot is and everything. No worries. What I really tried to do was create – there's not a better word for it, so I'm going to say it – spiritual fiction. I feel like there, it's a category of books that doesn't really exist but kind of exists. And I don't, need, I don't even mean spiritual. I mean like philosophical fiction. Some of the books that really affected me growing up, um, Herman Hesse, Do you know who that is? He wrote Siddhartha. Oh, yeah. He wrote uh, Demian, uh, Steppenwolf, um, uh, the Castaneda uh, books, uh, Carlos Castaneda, um, uh, Don Juan, um, Teachings of Don Juan. Uh, there was uh, um, Razor's Edge by uh, Somerset Maugh. um even Way of the Peaceful Warrior that was in the 80s. I feel like every generation or so, a big, book of spiritual fiction comes out or philosophical fiction that really touches on the zeitgeist of what's going on with people. And instead of a book of ideas that tell you how to live life or whatever, it's fiction. And it allows, at least for me, me to go into something, into a story, and feel something that I couldn't get if I'm just reading a book on ideas totally. And so to me, I was like, that's what I want to do. That's really, that's the heart of this is to write a book. That's both fiction. And so my book is, you could classify as, as mystery in a way it's a mystery. It's a um, psychological mystery. What's going to happen it's, it's um, that kind of book, but underneath is a lot of ideas and a lot of things that I think are, Are important and in a lot of ways uh like what louise said i'm not saying anything new per se Mm -hmm. i'm just saying it in a different way well what
1: you said about something that's resonating with the zeitgeist at this current time in history is is so so important i uh there's somebody that again another person that wayne dyer quotes i forget who the person is but it's a quote from like 1700 or something and it's somebody that was like really liberal back in like 1700 Uh and was fighting for like someone's rights or something Uh and he was just saying like there is never any like new fight or new idea or new whatever it's it's like the same old struggle or the same old uh, idea philosophically that's just looks different because the time is different that we're calling things different words or whatever right right but that's if, in terms of philosophy and spirituality in a book or something, that's very important that it is written in these new words and that it right. is written with the way that people are going to absorb them the right way for today and that it's going to connect with you the right way to what you were saying about um, Luis talking about all the different people up on stage and that the different authors mm-hmm. might connect mm-hmm. to somebody differently. Clearly, if you're writing it in a way that, that is contemporary in any way that's certainly yeah.
0: going to help because yeah you read uh Castaneda and great uh you know it's about big deep ideas but it doesn't talk about how how the hell i deal with my damn cell phone <laughs> the, or the smartphone that's constantly pulling my attention and making me distracted and and unable to focus and i mean these are real these are struggles that are not just psychological they're metaphysical yeah they're deep issues that have a whole nother coat to them because of the time we live, the things we're facing. We're not facing, Oh, you know, uh, I'm, uh, in, in Japan and I'm dealing with, you know, will the stream and the river come or what? No, I'm dealing with, uh, the internet and, and a lot of things that are my daily life. How do I, uh, how do I, this inner struggle or spiritual struggle or this longing to to find something deeper, it's the challenges of the environment I'm in now that I I feel like addressing that and, and finding a path uh, to explore that is kind of what I wanted to do. That
1: kicks ass, man. I, I can't believe that that's not a more... Now thinking about it, possibly it is, and I'm just too much of an idiot to know. But like, I can't believe that that's not a more popular genre of book because some of the the books that you brought up, or like, you know, something uber popular like Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Well, that's another like, one. Yeah, these are some of the greatest selling books like ever. You know, like yeah. the Peaceful Warrior was a major book and. I don't know if it's the people that are writing self-help stuff don't have the writing skills, like the writing chops to be able to write something like that or, or what, but it seems like those books don't come out very often.
0: Let me talk to that because, so I learned a lot by doing these films for Hay House because when I first started with, uh, with Louise's film, I told the CEO, Reed, I said, look, I'm an artist. I, you know, I, I like the ideas, I like all that, but I'm an artist first. I want to be a filmmaker. I, want, I, I care about good acting. I care about, you know, I, I don't like corny shit. I like, I like things to be good. Artistic <laughs> integrity, that's first. Yeah. And I think what I saw in terms of a lot of the films that, are made, that were being made about spiritual stuff, all of it was ideas first. It was all about, oh, we want to teach people this thing. And, yeah, we'll do some acting and we'll like the camera. We'll try to make it look good but they're not artists. They're not, there's no artistic, uh, effort. It's, it's kind of just trying to make it look like something else or whatever. Yeah. To me, the struggle to really create as an artist couples very nicely with exploring philosophically and, and all that. But the minute it reeks of someone teaching me something, I put it down. I go, eh, it's not, you know, Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more accepting than most people, but most people that's the problem. And so with a novel or with a book, yeah, I'm, there are tons of, uh, books with spiritual ideas in them, but they're usually people that are coming at it from just the ideas that they want to express. They want to teach something. They want to tell you something and, and they wrap it up in a story. That's kind of like, okay, it's passable or whatever to me. No.
1: Dude, I I, it's funny. I wish I had talked to you before watching the shift then. Granted I had to watch the shift before talking (laughs) to you, but like I I was very like skeptical heading into watching the shift before hearing you say any of that and knowing you and everything and because I've seen other movies of the the like self help genre or whatever. And so I'm ready for like, okay, this acting is gonna be terrible the directing is going to be terrible the writing is going to be basically terrible but it's going to get a good point across and the whole time the heart the problem with something like that for me is not that it seems disingenuous or anything like that it's more that you're just you're taken out of the moment like you're you're living in two sides of your head while you're watching the movie you're like this is a good idea. Wow, that acting was really dumb. Oh, this is a good idea. Wow, no one would ever say that in real life. And likewise, I guess with a book, like if you're reading something that was just really poorly written, even if the ideas are really good, there's just this other part of your brain that's like battling you the whole time that you're getting the good idea.
0: Yeah, and so there's a process that I've heard described as burying, well, the ship
1: was uh, sorry. That was not yeah. clear. The ship was wonderful. By the oh, way, oh thank like, you, thank all you. Yeah, those yeah. Things were on point. The acting was wonderful. The writing was wonderful. Like I was, I had never, I've never seen a self help movie like that. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So
0: part of it, I mean, that one is like it's still got weighed. It is what it is. It's it's to that specific audience, but to me, in terms of spiritual spiritual fiction, um, it's the more you bury the ideas inside story inside art impressions you know visually what you're doing that kind of stuff The more it's buried one the more it is uh, accepted more widely because whether you're uh interested in in these ideas or not you're you're still able to take them in because you're not going yeah i'm not going oh well someone's trying to teach me something but then also it's it's also allows it to go past the head which is what we were talking about before to really have an impression upon someone you, you know if they're reading the thing or watching it and going okay well i would you know this movie is great and the ideas are making me go oh well, i'm going to change this in my life and i'm going to do this in my life and i'm going to you can do that afterwards if you're watching it and you're caught up into it Now there's a possibility of reaching a deeper, deeper part of that person Mm -hmm. and really affecting them. And that's why I think some of these books, Zen of the Art and Motorcycle Maintenance is a great example. They struck such a huge curve or a nerve in society. Uh, Jonathan Livingston Siegel uh, is another one because they, it's just it got past. It's what myth yeah. is all about. The that's deep, what
1: the deep you that's inside of you gets to decide how this is all relating to you, rather than the person writing it, almost deciding more or less how it's going to relate part, to you.
0: Yes, partially, but also, if you look at it as what's trying to be communicated in a way is something bigger than just the idea. Just what we talked about with words. Yeah, great. Point. The words, you know, suddenly uh, this word just means it. it you know, a tree isn't a tree anymore. It's a word. But you look at this big thing; it's something totally different. Now, how do you do that for somebody in art? Is you have to get past their head. You have to get them to stop living on this part of them and get to that inner part. Yeah. So that's what I think can be done with good art and good story. Um, You're
1: almost like lulling their intellect into a sense of absolutely. calm, which then allows the other deeper part. Of it yeah. To so pick up I mean,
0: mind. and I think this is what people have very deep spiritual experiences with art with you know there are movies I've seen movies where I walked out and I'm like you know uh Indiana Jones <laughs> I was as a kid it it touched me incredibly deep yeah uh being there is one of my favorite movies I don't know if you know it you know the film being there oh no um it's about you know, it's about a guy who's kind of uh, Peter Sellers plays. He's not too intelligent. He's been working for a rich guy in New York his whole life. And the rich guy dies, and he's kicked out of the house. And uh, by the end of the movie, he is be- becoming president of the United States. And it's a beautiful allegorical tale that takes you through. And it's incredible. That and sounds it, awesome. Uh, but it is about something incredible incredibly deep and yet if it if somebody took what that's about and try to wrote write it in a book and tell you what it is it would be like okay yeah but if you see the movie you'll feel it yeah <laughs> you'll feel it yeah and uh, that's what I'm, um you have to have
1: more faith like there's so much of the time that we we like lack of faith in people, you know, like, Oh, but will they get the idea if we don't just like tell them what I do? It's like, no, don't worry about it. Like, well, where you have, you know,
0: where it's easier to do it is music. And, uh, a friend of mine, uh, I'm quoting my friend and saying this, uh, in a weird way, music has become the religion of the current generation. Um, I, the spirit, the, Communion I have with what's on my iPod or whatever, and those songs, and what when I'm listening to that music and what it does, it's, it's by you know, what it why do I love this music so much, whatever it is? It's because it's the only thing I've got, really. I mean, other forms of art do it as well, but music in a lot of ways has become a bit of has replaced religion, mm-hmm. it's been the closest thing to religion for a lot of people um, because it does that, it does this It mm-hmm. goes past all my, my identity and head and all that stuff. Yeah. So Thanks to a part of you that's just feeling. Yeah. So hopefully I, I will in book form be able to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I would love it. I'll, I'll give you the book to read. And, uh, if you, uh, don't think it sucks, yeah, then, uh, we'll do another interview.
1: Uh, that would be almost impossible, but, uh, <laughs> I'm a slow
0: reader. So how many pages is <laughs> uh, it? Uh, 300, uh, we're just two, uh, 290, Oh, awesome, man. Yeah. yeah I can handle 90. that. Yeah. You I can, can handle, totally that. handle that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I, you know, just to speak frankly, I'm also curious I, to, I want it to relate to people of your generation as well. I'm not that much older than you, but, um, uh, I think, I, yeah, I want to know what I want. I want to try to connect to, what's going on right now yeah because i think there's a lot of people are hungry mm. for something definitely so
1: yeah man so um a lot of these questions that i have like at the end of my list here i feel like what's my favorite color talking, yeah. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, like what's the most rewarding part of your career and stuff like that but i i feel like i imagine clearly the book because it's your like opus
0: uh right now yeah but um uh yeah i would say that's i wouldn't most rewarding part um i don't know about rewarding. and all that's relevant
1: to the time that it's in it's yeah. so
0: interesting this happens
1: sometimes when i'm interviewing somebody that's really interesting and I, I start to feel like i can get to know them during the interview right and then what i get i have questions that i have written down for later in the interview and i'm like I already know what they're going to say to that, right. so I don't feel like I need to <laughs> Yeah, well, you're a good interviewer. <laughs> That's the then. way it That's, goes. You know? That's the way you do it, um, dude. Michael, thank you so much, man. Yeah, we really appreciate all your time. Yeah, and uh, good luck with everything. We'll, cool. When is the book going to come out?
0: October 2016. Okay, so we got uh, a little ways. Yeah, and maybe we could do if we can do a follow up. That'd be great because it's titled Beatrice right now, but we might change the title
1: <gasps> <gasps> to what's like. I a, don't know. Zen and the Art of Beatrice. Yeah,
0: something yeah. like that. No, 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 no. It's just a discussion with the publisher that it might be uh smart to have a different title. Yeah. So but we'll see. So Maybe we can we name it Michael. Michael. <laughs> That would be just just the little shift that it needs. There you go, (laughs) Michael. (laughs) By Michael. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Or
1: like in the parentheses afterwards, Beatrice. Like Michael, subtitle Beatrice. Beatrice. That would get people's attention.
0: All right, man. Thanks so much. Take care. Absolutely. Take care.
1: Hey, everyone. It's Blake. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I wonder how I could help Blake out. First of all, you are probably the nicest person in the entire world. Secondly, all you have to do is just tell a friend about the show. I would really appreciate it. If you're sitting there and thinking, man, my job is really interesting or man, I do this totally badass hobby. I should totally be on this show then you totally should be on the show. Just reach out to me on halfhourintern.com, my website. You can email me through there. And uh, if there is another job or hobby that you don't do, but you just want to hear about it, you can submit any sort of idea through the Submit Your Ideas link on the page. Thanks again for listening. Take care.